The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome, welcome to Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates are waiting in the wings for an interesting discussion today. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I need to be doing good works so that I can be assured or more assured of my eternal salvation? Is that how it works? What about the Westminster Confession? What does it say about assurance? I think you're going to find this conversation very interesting. Then afterwards, I'll tell you more about the Grace Evangelical Society and our website, faithalone.org, and some of the things that might be of interest to you there. I hope you'll stay with us. Now here is Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates with today's discussion. All right, welcome to Grace and Focus. I'm here again with Ken, and I think we have a, a question there that sounds like a really good one. Yes, this is from Michael, someone who admits that he suffers with anxiety issues and OCD. And what is OCD? Obsessive compulsive disorder. That's right. Yes. And I'm close. Not quite there. I'm OC. C. I'm obsessive compulsive Christian. There you go. <laughs> anyway, he the question starts off by saying that he struggled with this. He knew he had believed in Jesus for eternal life apart from works, but later teachings and messages began to cause him a lot of despair. So before he got these later messages and teachings, it sounds like he was certain that he was born again and secure by faith in Christ. Yes, but then this later teaching and his anxiety and OCD made him to focus on, well, did I do it the right way? Did I believe the right thing? Which he called introspection, right? Extreme introspection, I think he called it. After introspection and evaluation of myself is what he says. And here's the question. How do people justify in their mind that looking at their works and goodness proves, or at least strongly suggests, they are born again? In my experience, even the best of the best in man's sight has sin they struggle with on a daily, hourly, or even minute-by-minute basis. Wouldn't perfection be required to truly have assurance? I just don't see how anyone can believe they are good enough to prove anything. Okay, I don't know if he's a genius young man or not, but I love the way he worded that question. I would suggest a couple things and see what you think, Ken. I think the number one way people justify this is their tradition. Sure. If You know, an Arminian doesn't speak this way. An Arminian is someone who believes you can lose your salvation. And what those people say, generally speaking, is I'm really not certain I'm saved today, but I probably am because I'm... I'm doing my best to follow the Lord, and I'm going to church, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm praying, and I may well fall away, and if I do, I'm going to lose my salvation. And if they're honest, they're also going to say, I'm still not sure that I match up to whatever God's standard is, because I don't exactly know what it is, right? If it's not perfection, like Michael says, then what is it? And the Arminian like that says, yeah, I know there's sin in my life. But that's okay with God because he allows a certain amount. Sure. It's just you can't be too bad. And that's what Michael's question is leading to. Well, I think where Michael's question is more from a Calvinistic perspective, where the person says you examine your works to see if you have enough works to prove that you were born again in the first place. To prove to yourself, right. Yeah. Well, or to others, too. Sure. If you study the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith says there's three 
aspects to assurance. It's like a stool with three legs. Like, isn't that a milking stool? Doesn't it have three legs? Oh, I have no idea. Well, but you've seen stools with sure. three legs, right? Where they're sitting on milking the cow. Yeah. Right. I, okay. I, I never noticed how many legs it has. Yeah. Okay, there you go. But anyway, a three-legged stool, and they say there's one leg is objective, and that's the promises in the Bible to the believer. And even though, according to Calvinism, I'm not sure I'm a believer, I do find comfort in these verses. So there, there's some kind of objective proof. And if I believe certain things about God... Like, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I believe he's God. I believe he's coming again. I believe he gives salvation to the people who have real faith, whatever that is, or genuine faith. So they call that objective assurance. And they say that gives you some level, but it can't give you enough because you need all three. And then they say the second are the works of God in our lives, the works that God produces in and through us. They don't want to call them our good works. They want to call them God's good works. But they admit we have to cooperate in order to get those good works, right? Mm -hmm. And so they say that's subjective because there's no objective way we can evaluate our own good works. Is there some scale in the Bible that says, let's see, if you uh, tell your wife you love her, that's worth 100 bonus points, (laughs) right? And if the wife submits to her husband on something she really doesn't want to do, that's a thousand bonus points. That, yeah, know. that has to be worth more than <laughs> just saying I love you. Right. <laughs> but whatever it is, there's no skill. So they call that subjective. And the third thing is they call the inner witness of the spirit, which is based on a misunderstanding of Romans eight sixteen, thinking that the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we're children of God, giving us some kind of a feeling. And they say that, right? They say it's they, subjective. They admit it's subjective, right. Right. Actually, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit to, the to God the Father. Right. But in any case, they say there's a three-legged stool, and you need all three. So how do they justify it? And all three of those are subjective. Well, the first one well, ob- is objective, but it becomes subjective for them because they say I don't saving know faith itself is a mystery because it's not like other faith. They'll go to James 2.14 and say, faith without works is dead. And they'll say, James 2.14 teaches that faith without works can't save. So how do you know if you have that faith or the saving kind of faith? By works, but you don't know how to judge those works. Right. Michael is exactly right. And Michael, write something up for the magazine and send it on in to radio at faithalone.org because I think you're onto the right track and you could even use your own story as part of the article. But I think there's a second thing besides tradition, Ken. See what you think. I think the second thing is reason. That is, I think people tend to think, logically, God doesn't want us to know for sure that we have everlasting life, because if we knew that, then we wouldn't live a godly life. We would have no real good reason to live for God. We'd probably be ungodly people. You hear it all the time, certainly. You hear people say, well, if you teach that, you'll live like the devil, and you don't take sin seriously. And they call it easy believism and cheap grace. I like to say, whether it's easy or hard, don't you think John 3.16 teaches believism? Well, whether it's easy or hard, it doesn't really matter. Now, if it's so easy, how come it is that the free grace movement is so teeny. You know, there's 3 billion people who claim to be Christians. Why wouldn't all of them believe that justification is by faith apart from works? And that faith is simple. It's being persuaded. So once I'm persuaded that Jesus 
is the one who gives the gift of salvation, the gift of everlasting life, which he calls the gift of God in John 4.10, well, then I'm born again. If it was that simple, you would expect that at least the people within Christianity would get it, right? I would answer and say the reason why they don't is because of the flesh. Our flesh rejects that teaching, that it's by God's grace alone and that we have nothing to do with it. Justification by faith alone is offensive to a lot of people. Absolutely, it's offensive. And even if they say they believe in justification by faith alone, it's still offensive to them. Well, it's Romans 3. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. But not if you say you look at your works and you weigh your works out and you evaluate them and you look at your feelings and, you know, that kind of thing. If you go down that road, he asked the question, how could you possibly look at your works and come away thinking that they're good enough? I'm, in, I'm putting it in my words. When you go down that road, one of two things will always happen. Either you will become arrogant, comparing yourself to others because you want to feel like you're good to go, that your your works do measure up. And so you become arrogant and blind to your own sin. That's one option. Or... You become depressed because you're honest and you go, like Mike Michael says, I'm look, I fall so short because I do sin every single day. But don't you think those people in the first category still lack assurance? Oh, well, sure they do. There's always that nagging question when you blow it, when you don't tell your wife you love her, you know, or if you're the wife and you don't submit to your husband, then it's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not saved. And then you go down this depression. Even on your very best day, wouldn't you have a lot of doubt? You certainly should. How much do you lie to yourself if you're looking at your works and saying, boy, my works make me think that I have salvation? But it is interesting that these lordship salvation teachers, they'll admit you can't have absolute assurance, even on their best days. Right. They speak of something called full assurance, but that's less than certain. Right. And sometimes they even say, relative assurance. And by the way, if you study the Puritans, the Puritans were forever questioning people's salvation. In fact, there's a book written... They were questioning their own salvation. Right. Matthew Mead wrote a book called The Almost Christian Discovered, and John MacArthur wrote the foreword to it. I would encourage each of you, if you want to get a read that'll scare you, read this. Basically, what they say is you should question your works, your feelings, your faith, Everything about you, because they say you can be lost and yet look just like a holy saint in your beliefs, in your practices, in your marriage, in your church life, in everything else. I was at the Ligonier Conference, I think it was 2000 or 2001, and James Montgomery Boyce was dying. And I heard Dr. R.C. Sproul say, I would like each of you to pray for Dr. Boyce because we've received word that he's dying He's near the end, and I would like you to pray that he dies in faith. What a horrible statement. I was kind of shocked because I thought if they were going to say anybody who's certainly born again, it must be James Montgomery Boyce. And I'll give you one other. You know who Templeton was? He was speaking in Young Life along with uh, another young man, Billy Graham. It was likely he was going to be the head of Young Life, I guess, and, and other things. But he fell away completely, became an atheist. Right. And people say, well, see, he wasn't born again. Well, if so, 
How do we know R.C. Sproul or James Montgomery Voice or Ravi Zacharias or John MacArthur? Or us. Or us. <laughs> right. The answer is Bob Wilkin doesn't know he's born again, except for the fact that I believe the truth of John 3.16. Same thing with Ken Yates. Same thing with Michael. Same thing with everybody on earth. You either believe the promise of life or you don't have assurance, right? And that's why you must keep grace in focus. Amen. Thank you both for that great discussion. Would you be interested in some free ebooks on topics you hear on this program? Well, if you are, you need to come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On the site, we've got all kinds of free materials. But one of our popular options is our free ebooks on a range of subjects. They're designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of the faith and scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We are so thankful for our financial partners who keep us on the air. Every gift is tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can give, go to faithalone.org. Would you like to have a chat with Dr. Bob or one of the guests here on the program? Let me tell you how to reach out to the team. You can get us on our email address, which is radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And for tomorrow's episode of Grace in Focus, join us as we talk about evangelism and how does it weigh out in the purpose of a Christian, the purpose of a church? Is evangelism, witnessing, is that the ultimate purpose of the Christian life? I hope you'll join us on the next Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society reminding you to always keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.